Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. In this episode of Europe Talks Back, we thought it would be good to look back at what we have been producing for the last six months in 2022. I mean, this is the last episode of this year, so we're approaching Christmas break. And with Maria Dios, the editor of Europe Talks Back and co-host at Times, we would like to get back to some stories and see what happened after we dealt with them in Europe Talks Back. So this is a conversation between me and Maria Dios about some of the stories we have dealt with in Europe Talks Back in 2022. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We'll be right back. So, Maria, here we are. Hi, thank you for having me. So, let's look back a bit at what we have done this year. So, I asked you to pick some stories we have dealt with to understand what happened after we had them on your talks back but before that if you look back at these months of production what was the most challenging thing in your opinion we did generally speaking i would say that trying to find that specific story of someone that is not popular let's say is the most challenging thing but it's also the most important because it helps you to picture exactly what the problem is and When you have that face or that name and you know that personal story, this really helps you to understand the big issue there. And sometimes it is something that it doesn't happen, that is not just related to one country, but perhaps you're also touched by something similar in another European country. So I think that finding that kind of stories is really challenging. Yeah, I agree. Not only, even when you have experts, sometimes we must say that the level of English of some experts were not... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's difficult to find stories, of course, but it's not so easy even to find experts who can uh, understand the format right and stay in the right amount of time. Yeah, you have to take your time to explain to them that the people listening, perhaps it's the first time they listen about this. So they have to not take anything from granted and they have to be very easy with yeah. their ideas and their thoughts. And experts really like to talk in a complicated way. So, yeah. Absolutely. And... um I think one thing you brought in into the show, because for those who are listening to this episode might not know that actually you stepped in after the series started, but you brought a particular, I think, a perspective on what we should deal with uh, at times. So you had a kind of a strong focus rather also on topics and stories related to women's rights. Yes. Not only. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we dealt with a lot of things, right, in the past few months. I mean, we started in July with Dutch farmers' protests in the Netherlands. Thousands of Dutch farmers are rallying against the government on their tractors. We went on to discussing criminalization of the work of NGOs in Greece. Human rights defenders, and especially those who defend the rights of asylum seekers, have found it very difficult to carry out their work ever since. All along, analyzing depopulation and the link of depopulation with wildfires and uh, gentrification in Lisbon, the resistance against data centers in the Netherlands, and many other things. Which are the stories you think there are some updates to give about? Well, they were mentioning before um, that I personally brought to these conversations gender equality issues. So from my side, I will say that there is an update in one of the episodes that I was involved here with you, which is the only yes mean yes uh, law. This was um, a law that was approved by the Spanish government in September this year. And it basically was made to correct this uh, rape law that was there before in the Spanish uh, system that basically it just says that sex without consent is raped. And this is something that was not so clear in the previous law. So there was case, La Manada case, that we yeah. explained um, where it was very clear that this girl that was gun raped didn't receive uh, enough justice at the time because the penal code was not clear enough. So this is a law that was built around the feminist movement in, in Spain and it came to light in September this year. But after this law was approved during these uh, months, Apparently there was not enough clear in the sense that after it was approved, uh, some courts changed the decisions that were already made in some cases. And it ended up with uh, some rapers that went out of prison because there is this provisional thing in the Spanish law that means that if there is a revision of a law and it can affect positively to someone that is in prison, it should be applied. Okay, interesting. So this made the headlines in different Spanish media over the past few weeks. I I remember I also asked you, should we do another episode on what's going on? So um, can you explain to us a bit more in detail what happened exactly? Yes, so before the law was approved, uh, there were already some experts and especially people from opposition parties uh, that were not convinced about this law. And it ended up with some cases that seemed that they were right in a sense. But I was not convinced when you asked me to do another episode because it was not clear. So uh, no one really knew what happened and why the law was not uh, acting correctly. But I'm happy to say that now at the end of the year, the government has taken advantage of a reform of the penal code in Spain to try to clarify this law to correct this kind of uh, mistake. So hopefully from now on it will be correctly applied and it won't mean that if a raper is already in prison that his uh, sentence will be reduced. Mm -hmm. So I guess that also positional parties, I can imagine, have instrumentalized what happened? or Yes, of Mm, course, especially the far right. um, Yeah, right. Let's move on to the next story we should do an update about. 
which is, I guess, what is happening in Hungary with the teachers' protests. The revolt began last week when teachers in a town in the northeast refused to teach with the new books and curriculum and demanded a return to local autonomy. So we have covered extensively, I'd say, that uh, movement of teachers and even students protesting for the living conditions of uh, teachers in Hungary. Then it never really stopped, actually, right? Yes, hundreds of teachers went on indefinite mass strikes across the country. There were more protests in several cities asking for improvement of the working conditions. And it doesn't seem that the government is reacting correctly. In fact, so far, as far as I know, almost 500 teachers from different schools across Hungary have ceased work indefinitely. This is uh, just an article that I read from Eractive this week. So it really shows that there is still something going on there. And yeah, the teachers still have uh, reasons to protest. So we have dealt with one story recently, which is the story of the organization Black Europeans in the United Kingdom. Actually, the story we brought into that episode was the story of Dahaba Ali Hussein, who is a Dutch European citizen who lives in the UK since um, she is a child. And we brought her story in to basically explain how people of color got stuck, apparently, allegedly, more than, you know, white people in the backlog of the EU settlement process scheme of the UK. So I was actually rejected for the EU settlement scheme, despite being in the UK since I was 10. And she had this interesting story she shared with us that she had to make a big fuss on social media to get her situation solved. Now, what happened is that a week ago, the other person we interviewed on that episode, which is Angelo Boccato, a freelance journalist, texted me on WhatsApp and he sent me a link to Twitter. And I saw that the Hava was stuck in Paris and could not enter again the UK with her passport. So basically what happened is that the Hava went to Paris for a holiday trip, individual holiday trip. And when she tried to get back to London and she went to La Gare du Nord, which is one of the train stations of Paris, she was not able to get on the train at first. So I was able to find a YouTube video on her YouTube channel, which is the Haba Leila Ali, if anyone wants to check that out, even to credit this. So I wanted to play actually what happened to her explained by her own voice. So this is the Haba just explaining what happened just after her holiday in Paris ended. Um, on Saturday afternoon, I arrived at Paris Gare du Nord train station nearly three hours early for my train. So check-in doesn't begin until two hours before the Eurostar train departs. And I was there nearly three hours early because I'm nothing if not a perennial early bird. So I arrive and I, um, I'm one of the first people through check-in once 3.13 hits. And I go through and I try to scan my passport at the electronic barriers and it won't work. And I try again and it won't work. And then the Eurostar staff wave me over to UK Border Force kiosk. And I go there and I hand them my passport. And my passport takes ages to load on the, like on, on, on the system or to scan properly. And as I'm waiting patiently, I can overhear a British woman next to me talking to, the, to another border officer. And she's saying that she forgot her passport in France, where she lives, but she has a photo of it. And she's checking if she can travel. And the UK border officer 
like and i remember sat i remember i remember being there like almost amused thinking oh good luck lady like like being like oh she's never gonna get through of course like and then also thinking like oh my goodness she's so confident like if i didn't have my passport i simply would not turn up to travel so imagine my shock imagine my shock when she was let through before i was um and and i i was sat there and the uk border officer was still questioning me um he was asking me all sorts of questions like where do i live you know what do i do he asked me what what he asked me what is your reason for traveling today and i said oh just a holiday and he was like oh so you're going for a holiday to the uk and i was like no i live in london also sorry can you not see my address can you not see that i have my settled status in the uk also did my accent not give me away like i don't understand like and so i was like no and he was like oh i can see here that you've had refusals so um why were you refused and i was like oh like i had refused before he's like you've been refused more than once and he's asked me all these questions and i was like it felt like i was applying all over again and then at the end of his line of questioning he said he told me that i'd failed immigration checks and so because i'd failed immigration checks they needed to do further checks and so he said asked me to step to the side and handed me this form on this a5 piece of paper and so i took the form of him and i said what do you mean i failed immigration checks i have my eu settled status and then he was like yeah he was like but can you step to the side someone will deal with you and then i said oh can i have my passport back and he said not just yet and I said, oh, can I confirm you're not going to give me my passport back? And he said, no. So step to the side. So I went to where the, the bench, which he told me to go to. And I stood to the side. And at this point, my ears are ringing. So I'm thinking, what do they mean I've been refused? What does it mean that I can't, I can't enter the UK? And I'm calling friends and family, really like shocked. And I'm like fighting back tears because obviously everything that happened with the EU settlement scheme beforehand is it, it, still obviously quite painful for me. And I look and I'm like, oh no, but he's given me this form and it's on this piece of paper. I haven't even filled it out yet. But he hasn't even given me a pen. What's like, why is he not giving me a pen? And so I look down to the form and I am better versed in the, in, in the EU settlement scheme than your ordinary person simply because of my experiences and also because I've been reporting on it for so long. But I look down at the form and even I can barely understand it. It's written in all this legal jargon. And in the form it says that I, um, it says it has my full legal name and my passport number at the top. And it has these two sections, one of them set with these two tick boxes. And one of the tick boxes that's checked says that I have failed immigration checks. And the second tick box said something about me being detained under the Immigration Act 1971. And I'm thinking, does that even apply to me? I'm a Dutch EU citizen with settled status in the UK, like what's going on here? And I'm waiting there and I'm crying and I take to Twitter, many of you might have seen my tweets and I, I'm panicking, I'm tagging the home office trying to get this sorted as soon as possible. When someone comes over and he says, he's waving my passport in my face by the way, and he's like to me, oh yeah, so can you take a seat please because we need to do further checks on you because um, you are, and I can barely understand him because I'm so panicked, and he's like to me because basically you, because you were previously rejected for the EU settlement scheme, we need to do further examination on you and investigate further. But I and I was like, but I have it now. And he said, yeah, I can see you have your EU settled status now, but because you were previously rejected, we need to investigate further. So you take a seat. And I said to him, but I'm going to miss my train. And he says, we well, probably already missed it. 
and I'm panicking, I'm panicking more than I can say, my blood is running cold. In fact, I was reading over my tweets and I was thinking, gosh, I sound, I almost sound put together, like not put together, but I sound, I'm coming across like I'm, I'm forming coherent sentences. Whereas I felt like I couldn't do that when I, where, I was, where I was. I was in central Paris on my own in the freezing cold. I was thinking, what time does the Eurostar run until? Can I buy another ticket? Do they still have space for me to buy another ticket? I don't know anyone in Paris. Where am I going to stay? Um, a million thoughts running through my head. And I'm like, I'm talking to friends and family. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to raise as much awareness about my situation as possible. And time is passing and I honestly, I'm crying my eyes out and I can see everyone else checking it. It's mortifying. And I'm just thinking, and, I'm, and then he comes back to me and he's like to me, I'm, I'm still checking. So can you just continue to wait, please? And wonders off. And then finally he comes back and he has completely changed his tune. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm like, like, sorry, we need to do further checks, but it's all fine now. And he escorts me through the barriers. He hands me my passport back and he sends me along. And I, I'm still so shocked. Like, so this was just an extract from a video which is 20 minutes long on the YouTube channel of Dahaba Ali Hussein. So I invite you all to check out the full story, but um, you know, there's a happy ending in the sense that she gets on the train and then she has also, she tells this on an article published on The Independent that she had this phone call with the home office apparently now uh, discussing what happened to her. What's your comment to what you have heard? I mean, I'm shocked <laughs> and it's unbelievable. And I don't know, I think that yes, it had a happy ending, but it is also sad to story that someone has to fight twice to get her rights yeah. and... Yeah, I remember something that shocked me from the story the first time we covered this was that Holmes' office contacted her through private message on Twitter. So it makes me think, what happens if someone is less unknown yeah. or they have less resources? It's yeah, absolutely. Because as you mentioned, Tahaba is a journalist in the UK, so she's able to create a decent amount of noise I mean, publicly when something happens to her and she underlines this also in the episode right saying that you know what can what you know what happens to people who don't have the access to media i have anyhow another story we dealt with which more recently on the podcast is the story of uh, blessing matthew who uh, was a nigerian uh, girl in her early 20s who died in 2018 along the franco-italian border on may 9th the body of a young black woman is found in this dam in Prel. And an investigation has started and they find out that it's Blessing Matthews. And there's a police investigation to find out what has happened to lead to her death in these circumstances. And at the same time, local activists mobilize to say, we have been warning the state that the militarization of this border would lead to deaths. We told her story and we underlined how there is now an attempt to bring justice to her at the European Court of Human Rights. And we don't have any updates on that specific story, but we will continue to follow that case. And what else, Maria, should we discuss? I think it's worth mentioning that our last episode was on Qatar. And I think that there's something really recent, yeah. uh, somehow related here in Brussels. Yeah, I mean, we're in Brussels today recording this episode and obviously it's impossible not to talk about what happened in the European Parliament, right? I mean, we dealt with Qatar from a different perspective, of course, but it all blew up this week. Yes. 
what are your thoughts about this scandal in the European Parliament? Just, I mean, I think everyone listening to Talks Back might know this if you are, you know, people following European affairs. But if you're not, basically there is accusations of corruption for the vice president of the European Parliament. A number of people have been blocked and detained and mostly people from the Italian Socialist Party. Um, there's an NGO involved in this, apparently authorities or, you know, someone in Qatar financed, lobbied, non corrupted actually public figures in the European Parliament to send across positive messages about, you know, labor rights and what's going on in Qatar. What 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 is your thoughts about this? Well I think it shows that clearly there is something that is not working correctly in the lobbying system in the European Parliament. I was reading an article from Politico saying that perhaps is the most easy to break institution in the EU bubble because some MEPs have the right to keep other jobs apart from the public job that they have. And the parliament has a transparency portal with all the meetings that the MEPs have with uh, other companies, but of course clearly it's not working somehow. So, not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our episode, we just discussed, right, how um, a specific boycott Qatar campaign was set up which was the um, football blackout for human rights campaign by the creative agency Heimat Berlin in Germany. And uh, yeah, so I think that that's it for this wrap-up of 2022. Just a nice data piece of information. The episode we had most listens to was indeed an episode which was quite mainstream in the sense that we discussed the rise of Giorgia Meloni in Italy, who since um, September when she won elections with the Fratelli d'Italia party is governing Italy. Maybe there will be cases or occasions we cover Italy again in the next months. But for the moment, we go on a Christmas break for some weeks. We'll be back on the week of the 16th of January. So, Maria, have a nice Christmas break. You too. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Your Talks Back is Antoine Lereux. Editorial work is by myself and Maria Dios. Sound identity of Your Talks Back is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kosberg. Promotion and marketing is by Bianca Bittencourt. We'll be back on the week of the 16th of January 2023.